Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word, and we're grateful for all the good gifts you've given us thus far. Thank you for this building. Thank you for all of its uh, problems that are resolvable by good-hearted people. We'd ask that you would bless those that uh, have been helping out with various physical tasks. Thank you for all that Brian and, and Glenda do. We'd ask that you bless the, um, the physical plant of this church uh, in such a way that we can use it for your kingdom. And Lord, if we're not faithful in that, just take it away from us. Thank you for this morning. In your son's name, amen. Yes. Is. Okay, we are going to do a wine, wisdom, and song this month. We haven't for two months because of weddings and stuff. But. Okay. This is going on to the recording. It's going to be on SoundCloud, which is not going to entertain the people who listen in the Netherlands. Um, but two Fridays from now, Wine, Wisdom, and Song, uh, it's a question, your question is delivered, you get to discuss it biblically with a glass of wine if you're of age and you like wine, and then we sing a couple hymns and we go home. Um, it's enjoyable. We uh, would love to see you there. It's just, you don't have to have been to the other ones. You can be at the, anyone you like. 7.30, big house, Friday night, two Fridays from now. Well, do I have to pray again? Does that still, that prayer still work after an announcement? Okay, we're looking at Psalm 19. Um, You'll recognize Psalm 19, the beginning of it, because St. Paul quotes it in Romans 10, which I have here on the side a little bit later. But I wanted to look at the psalm as its context holds up what Paul quoted. Verse 1, the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. That's the portion that's quoted in Romans. Um, it is generally pointed out in Romans and then subsequently going back to Psalm 19, that this is a biblical example of the argument by design, the teleological, God made it, therefore there is a God. But I think, although that's very much part of what's here, I, I want you to be looking at what it's actually saying. Because it is, it, it, it's got a very actual, poetically narrow application. It's the heavens and the firmament, which are the heavens. If you go back to Genesis and the creation of the firmament between the waters below and the waters above, and then the firmament he called the heavens. And he put the sun, moon, and stars in the firmament of the heavens. 
So he's repeating himself here when he says, the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. He's not telling you to look at the bunny and the amazing design that goes into a bunny rabbit, or the amazing design that goes into the human liver, or the amazing design that goes into your average insect blown up really large. <coughs> not that you couldn't. Because his infinite power and deity are clearly perceived the things that have been made. So anything that was made will find that here. But here, in particular, he is saying the heavens. Because the heavens, not just are, you know, we're simply going to go to the apologetic. We're Western. Uh, we're out of a history of rationality from the Greeks forward, and we tend to parse out our faith in rational terms, which is fine, because it carries truth. But sometimes we miss, um, you might say, the art of the thing. There is, in the firmament of the heavens, something unique. Something that day to day, night to night, and he's not just talking like you're supposed to go, oh, yeah, yeah, all the time. That's how we would say all the time, day to day, night to night. But he just told you he was talking about the heavens, day to day, night to night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. And their voice goes throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. Now look what he says next. In them he has set a tent for the sun. He's, a, he's telling you he's talking about the heavens. And he says, let's look at one part of this. There are all the stars, all the galaxies in the firmament of the heavens and the moon. There's the sun. He says, look at the sun. Which comes forth like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. I'm seeing something else. I'm not just seeing the kind of post-enlightenment rationalism alone and matter alone. We're seeing personification, we're seeing metaphor, we're seeing beauty. We're seeing, why don't you feel this way about the sun coming up in the morning? The glory of God and his handiwork is proclaimed this way. I'm not trying to take away the apologetic of argument from design. But sometimes it's a bit... Um, what's the word, right word? Uh, it seems starved for something. But the psalmist here, David, is saying, wants you to see glory and handiwork proclaimed. Because when he sees the sun come up over the horizon, I don't know how many of you are up at that point, um, but some of you are, sitting there with a cup of coffee, and the sun comes up. And we might like to take a picture on our phone. Oh, look, a nice sunrise. He's thinking of it differently. It's not a, how do we commemorate this on a greeting card? 
or how do we turn this into a jigsaw puzzle that we can sell? Or how do I think about, oh, it's kind of amazing how the solar system works and how God has balanced all the... Well, yeah, but don't forget. It's like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Of all things. It's like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs his course with joy. Are you picking that all up? Because that's the image the psalmist wants you to take away from this view of nature. It's poetic. And it says something in what it's like. One of the wonderful things about the heavens as a, as a nature. I, how many of you have ever seen a koala in real life? I have not seen it. Maybe at the zoo. Okay, zoos don't count. Or a wombat. Wombats are like my favorite animal. Don't see them much around here. Awful lot of nature. Uh, Khan gets to file bugs up at the university. Most of us don't get that privilege. Some people are farmers, people who, who, who get to stand out in the, and watch things grow and understand the chemical reactions of things. We don't all get that. But the sky stands above us all. It's, it's sort of one of the things about nature that is the most in common. The night sky, of course, in the southern hemisphere is different than the night sky here in terms of what stars are in what places. But we know people aren't supposed to live in the southern hemisphere. Just, it's a rule. Don't ask me where I got it. There is a debt of all nature that says you're without excuse. His infinite power and deity are clearly perceived. And here we have something that is in common. It is like a Bible verse laid out in front of everybody. You, when, you, when you drive in certain parts of the United States, you'll be going down a freeway and there'll be a billboard with you know, John 3.16 on it. Why do you put it on a billboard? Well, because everybody drives their cars and everybody drives past that spot at least twice a week. That's why you do it. That's advertising. That's what the heavens are. They're good placement. You can't, you can't get out from under the sky. You might not go to a zoo. You might not take a class in uh, entomology. But you're going to stand under the heavens. And day to day, night to night, and it's the circuit of those things. It is the passage of huge bodies, flaming balls of gas, big rocks of the heavens, spinning around in circles, making days, making days, making days, making nights after that. In such a way that the psalmist goes, like a bridegroom coming out of the chamber. We are a little bit more focused on the bride. Because we have a wedding here, all the guys are standing up here like lumps of, you know, sacks of wheat. And everybody pauses, the music changes. 
the doors open, and a dad and a bride are standing in the back, and everybody stands up. We got it all backwards. It's supposed to be for the groom. But you understand the thrill. You understand kind of the moment. Everybody wants to see. That it takes this path. This is like the psalmist going, you know, Apollo, as a god, is actually a pretty good image. He drives his chariot of the sun across the sky. Now you say, okay, let's stay with Bible stuff. Evan, don't start talking Greek gods. But it's, it's closer in image to what the psalmist is getting across than what we would pick up with our, um, you know, science apologetic, our, our debate with the atheists stuff. The strong man running his course with joy. And it lets you know in verse 6, its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. It's telling you this, the heavens, above us all, this in common nature, and this in, com un this in common act. The sun coming up, the sun going down, it's going from the end of nature to the end of nature. And there is nothing hid from its heat. We have a few things we're supposed to walk away from in this. The glory of God, the handiwork of God. That it's this common state we all stand under and how far reaching it is, how glorious or beautiful the thing is. And that what it, sort of the metaphor that's carried in it is there's nothing hid from this light in the heavens. Everything is heated by it. It covers all of our earth. Meditate on it. Because you were given back in Genesis 1 it tells you when he made the sun, moon, and stars that they were given to you as things in the heavens for signs I think the King James says omens seasons and years. We got the seasons and years. We realize this is summertime and it's July and it's 19, well, no, what is it? What's the, what's the year? 2017, thank you. It's nice to be in a college town where people know stuff. 2017, we know all those things because of the circuits of the heavens, day to day, night to night, year to year. God put them there that you would know it was 2017 because if it didn't, you wouldn't. And I don't care if it was a college town. You wouldn't know what year it was if years didn't exist. And all it is is when you say a year, you're just saying, moving around stuff. I'm moving around and moving around. And then there's these big flaming balls of gas that are doing this thing. 
365 times before it makes a complete circuit around that sun. It's an artificial thing in your mind, but it's such a part of us. But that's not all that it is. It's not merely setting my analog watch according to the circuits of the heavens. It is also for omens. The things of God, if you think the sun coming up like a bridegroom from his chamber, like a strong man running a race along his course, you're getting to that. You're getting to think, what is, am I viewing the heavens with the right degree of omen? It's obvious that the psalmist throws it in there as an act, something, his handiwork, as something glorified, and he sets it up to be more beautiful in your comprehension. Because there's not just the beauty of a scene that you might see in nature. There's the beauty of your description of it. That's what David's going for. So when he says there's nothing hid from its heat, he's letting you know that God has made this world, I think Lewis deals with this in uh, something. Where is it? I think it's an abolition of man. That God made things where they merit a certain response. He didn't make bunny rabbits and foxes and then had them, oh my gosh, what has turned against the other? What has happened? Why are these foxes eating these bunny rabbits? He made them to eat the bunny rabbits. And he made the strawberries taste good to man. And he made color to have you react well to it. It wasn't just, oh, color's over here, I'll design that. And man is over here, I'll design this. We are supposed to have a dance going on of meaning. And God is speaking in everything that is. Now you say, Evan, okay. Well, here's a warning. Don't think you can tell me what he's saying. Okay, that's good, because that would be overstepping. I could say here that his glory and his handiwork is being said. That whatever you image out of a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and a strong man running its course, whatever you get from that, is, you have a claim that that is biblical meaning. But yeah, you wouldn't want to say, well, I think when the shadow here falls on that thing over there, it means that we should all sell everything we have and, and give it to the pastor. We can't imply meaning, but we know, or we can't invent meaning, but we can know that there is meaning. And meanings that we're waiting for to understand, to understand the omen, to understand the season. And once you stop, start looking at your world, when Paul quotes this, he quotes this in reference to um, people not having heard, uh, if we go down and read it uh, in verse, uh, chapter 10, verse um, 17, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes by the preaching of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. 
For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their worlds, the words till the ends of the earth. He is saying that all of God's creation from its physical to its spoken is part of God's revelation of himself. Not only do you have a relationship with it, but you have a relationship of meaning with it. That as I stand in Christ, so does the creation stand in Christ. We, of all people, should be seeing the bridegroom image very naturally. We're, we're thinking of that as our walk with Christ as a church, that he is the groom, he is the head of the church, we are the bride. The excitement ought to be palatable. How much are you looking at life, not to invent meaning out of nothing, and I watch out for those kind of ministries that will just tell you on the authority of the pastor that this is what that means. But don't deny that it means your God has made it all at least to declare his presence. At least. If if you get nothing else from the sun coming up in the morning, the glory and handiwork of God ought to sit on you pretty aggressively. So when you start to realize everything has meaning, then you realize that you have, you might say, a an obligation to recognize nature and everything in it and all the meaning of God as it was intended to be recognized. When God tells you something in words, you're expected to parse the sentence correctly, figure out the syntax, the meaning of each word, and say, this is what he said. This is what he meant. We need to have that eagerness to understand and know that there's a debt put on you by meaning sitting in front of you. You get up in the morning, get that cup of coffee, and head out to the back porch. It's for a little dose of meaning. Not to just send your brain into some sort of uh, um, place of nothing. We have an obligation because verse, and and I set apart verse 7 through (coughs) 9. Because he has just told you that this meaning is in the heavens. This is God's expression of himself in general has this overarching claim that there is nothing hid from the sun and from its heat. And then he starts talking about the law of the Lord. Now is is the law of the Lord in what's his king's name? David's mind. Is the law of the Lord in David's mind an entirely different subject? This is religion, the law of the Lord, and nature is science. Or is it the same thing, given he has said, the heavens declare his handiwork? God is revealing himself, and in the law, the law of the Jews, was the most the God who made heaven and earth had ever said. And David's response to it, as he stands before, and this may be a place for you to get a better notion of Bible study, better notion of what it is to be thinking about the faith. Do you see the beauty? Now, I'm not in favor of looking to the romantics for any kind of guidance in what we think. But boy, could they talk about what they saw. 
and reading poetry by um, Shelley, or primarily Shelley, I'm a big fan of Shelley, but you have this, sometimes we can have that get in under our skin. We can realize, oh my gosh, they're seeing the world a way I'm not seeing it. In a way it would benefit me to see it. David's in their company. He is seeing the world as part of God's message to you and how you are aligning yourself with that message, how you're picking it up. Do you have the poetic thrill or do you just sort of, you know, and dudes are mostly this way. Women are too easily, and I'm a, you know, I'm a sexist, but women are far more responsive to those sorts of beautiful things. And guys are a little bit afraid of what the other guys are going to say if they show any response to beauty. So dudes, show a little more response. Yeah, you can be do it in a masculine way. You can still be holding a, a beer while you do it. But, it's a, but don't fail to recognize the glory of God. We know how we feel. You can think of Every so often someone will post the best runbacks in NFL history. Sort of short clips for film where you get to see someone like Marshawn Lynch run the length of the field. And guys are almost weeping. Real men are just... How could this be? It's a miracle. So we do, we do understand beauty. We just have to... Maybe that's... The women are going, Oh, like a bridegroom from his chamber. And we go, no, no, it's like the strong man running his course with joy. We'll take that one. But view it as God's gift to you. Because in your life, you have not just been given the sun coming up, and that's just one part of the heavens, one part of the omen, one part of the signs, one part of the seasons. But he's given you all that he revealed through the prophets. He's given to you all that he revealed through his son. He's given to you all that he revealed through his apostles. Far more than David had in writing. When he gets to that, it's the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And I bolded those words intentionally, that reviving, making wise, rejoicing, enlightening, enduring, righteous. And he was limited. He didn't even have the Psalms to study. He was busy writing them. For him, the law of God was pretty much the law of God. You had just a few books of what was called the Bible, and yet he sat before it knowing that he had a world in which everything from the heavens above his head to the words on the page that he was supposed to copy down from the law was all his God in glory, in handiwork, beauty. And those are the kind of words he's talking. And, and you are given far, far more. You're given the words of Christ in the Gospels. You're given his apostles. You're given far more of the Old Testament than David had. 
I'm saying this because too often we, we're trying to, as the ch church, I was talking to my father pretty recently, and maybe some of you have as well, where he, he talks about people just don't read their Bibles anymore. Christians don't read their Bibles. And it's confusing him. Not that people were across the board being wonderfully biblical back in the day, back in the 1940s, but Christians who became Christians took the Bible very seriously. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb, whatever your personal lusts, you're just some capitalist with a lot of ambition. So compare it to your view of money. If you're a foodie, compare it to how good something can taste. If you're a romantic, compare it to a wedding. If you're, if you're an NFL fan, compare it to Marshawn Lynch. Where does it sit? Do you understand you being a maid? Be honest with yourself. If you, don't, don't say, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. If you're not amazed, if you're not amazed by what Christianity is, and watching a football game is more amazing to you, go back and look again at whether or not you've believed the gospel. Or you might believe that it's true. You might believe all sorts of things about it. You might think, this is, yeah, it's the true religion. But have you chased after it to find it? Have you sought it? Is you, do you view it as reviving, making wise, rejoicing, enlightening, enduring, making righteous? Your view of it, you've heard me say this before, and I stole this from Jim Wilson. Quit thinking of ways where you don't have to do what the Bible tells you. The modern church is looking for ways they don't... Well, the Bible doesn't have a verse about that. Is there a verse about that? Do I have to not do that? Or if you bring up a verse, well, does that mean I don't get to... What if it happened this way? Can I get angry if this is the case? Or can I, you know, whatever this, that, or the other thing? Everybody is trying to carve out the realm that still belongs to them and not God. They're trying to say, I don't... Well, they're just they're admitting that their heart is not, it's not more desired, it's not sweeter, it's not ominous. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. We end up looking for loopholes. We like having unknowns. We, we like having unknowns. We like to leave it unknown. Do people stay away from Bible study because don't want to find things out? That could ruin things. Don't want to find out what the Lord says about this because, you know, not being, you know, where there is no law, there is no transgression. David's mind is different. He's an artist. He's kind of everything that, that all of us would like to see in it. I mean, other than his sins. We don't, we're not hanging. Oh, we recommend adultery. 
He was a soldier. He was a poet. He was strong with the ladies. He's everything you kind of admire. Man after God's heart. Consider whether or not you are really after it from top to bottom, heavens to earth, nature to supernature. Because when you are, you're eager to find out more and leave yourself in the unknowns at his disposal, not your disposal. Because we like to keep unknowns kind of as a privilege that uh, gives me the right to do what I want to do. The loophole allows me to be a little selfish, a little self-interested. Who can discern his errors? Verse 12. Clear thou me from hidden faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. When we try to arrange that we still have claim to things. Well, when we've talked about um, our relationship to one another, we didn't as a church get together and everybody, okay, uh, the congregation has a union and they're striking for certain benefits from the pastor or the church or each of you with love towards each other, we're not negotiating a settlement. Is okay, I'll, I'll have you over for dinner once in a blue moon, and you'll greet me on the street, is that fine? That's, is that the, did you negotiate a settlement, or did you just love each other? In marriage, it's never good to negotiate, you know, groundwork. Okay, this is what you have to do for me, I have to do this for you. And we're not... God has it all. God made it all. You need to recognize it all. Have the right emotional reaction to it all. Offer yourself to him and then say, Lord, where I don't know what's going on, forgive me if I have a hidden fault. What kind of presumptions do I operate on that I have a right to do X? Keep me from that kind of presumptuous sin don't let them have dominion over me. What did you presume about yourself? This is going to be different than in 1000 BC. This is about 3000 years ago. Their outlook is a little different, a little more aggressive. But we have presumptions that we make that guard our path to our dominance in our own life. David wants to have God fix him because he cares then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do we want to be blameless and innocent? Do we want to be looking out our eyes at everything? And, and again, not a Madeline Bassett about things. Not, you know, somebody who is dotting all their eyes with a heart. 
not, not loopiness, ladies. We don't want loopy Christianity, but we do want responsive to all that God has said. Guys, you need to be more responsive to what God has said that you care about its beauty. You care about its height and you care about every, that every moment of information you are walking through is God trying to tell you about himself. And you have to want blamelessness. You have to want innocence. You have to want to have the words coming out of your mouth be acceptable. Because if you don't want that, if you want to just have it be acceptable to Evan, that he said it, you know, for Evan, you for you, me for me, then we are going to start looking away from all these comments. And if you don't think that the heavens, that God sat there on, this is Genesis, right? First page, the fourth day. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And he built history. You're talking about a deity who can fabricate out of nothing a flaming ball of gas at, at a huge, huge size and place it in the heavens and chuck a bunch of planets around the side of it and one for you to live on. And we can be presumptuous about what we just assume about that coming up, but it will come up tomorrow. Do we want this badly enough? Do we know how to look at it? Do we know, for those of you who already want it, who already study the word, who already want to be acceptable in God's sight, you're here at church, to some degree, that's evidence that you want to be acceptable in God's sight, you want to be blameless, but we might tend, and I have a tendency myself in this way, to be a little on the rationalist end of things, a little on the, only the intellectual argument about it. Look back at verse 5. Meditate on it. The bridegroom thing. The strong man thing. How would you describe it? God Almighty put that in the heavens for you to see and see by. Light. Heating everything. Warming everything at the right degree. No pun intended. We need to see it a certain way. We need to be rejoicing in all that he has said to us. And we need to be rejoicing so much in it that we're a little concerned about what we don't know about ourselves so that we would know more and be protected against in the unknown we make presumptions. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for this world. We're grateful for the sun and the heavens. Help us understand what you've said. Help us react as a Christian ought. And help us desire the things that your King David laid out here. Blameless and innocent. In your son's name, amen.